Hi, and welcome to Indie Buyers Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Chris O'Fault, the editor of the Toolkit, and my guest today is writer, director, editor, cinematographer, uh, everything for the Netflix film Roma, Alfonso Cuaron. And this is our last episode of the Oscar season before we take a short break. We'll be back in April and talking summer movies and also some TV because it'll be Emmy season. And along those lines, I would love to know which TV creators and shows you think deserve the toolkit treatment. Um, I'll be playing catch up over the next two months, and I always prefer to spot like filmmaking and filmmakers worth exploring in that fashion, you know, popping the hood and talking nuts and bolts of how something was made. And I just want to say I have been incredibly gratified how receptive filmmakers have been to the type of discussion we're having on this podcast. You know, this last season, looking back on uh, 2018 and the films, my only real booking regret uh, has been I wasn't able to work out something with Ryan Cooler to talk uh, Black Panther, which really just boiled down to the fact that I wasn't going to go out to L.A. Um, anyway, um, I'm easy to find on Twitter. Uh, my email is just chris, uh, C-H-R-I-S, at IndieWire. Let me know what shows you think I should be watching, and more importantly, uh, what TV guests I should have when I'm headed out to L.A. in May. And as always, uh, thank you to my friend, composer Nathan Halpern, for the music we use on this podcast. Nathan has had a hell of a 2018 himself with The Rider and Minding the Gap, a movie he'll be headed to the Academy Awards with next week. And I want to thank him and for you for listening. Looking forward to starting back up again in April. So without further ado, the presumptive favorite for this year's Best Director Oscar, the great and gracious Alfonso Cuaron. The word that everybody's using is memory with, with this film. And there's obviously the personal memory and the, the details that come back from your childhood. But you know, Amy Tobin wrote something that I thought was really smart, which is there's also a corrective memory, the, the element of the part that maybe you didn't see as a child that you now see as an adulthood, the class aspect, both of what's going on in the home and, and also what's going on outside, um, outside the door. It was that combination of the personal memory and then also that adult vantage point of that was that was that kind of the motivation and what what drove the imagery and the desire to do this? Yes, definitely. It was uh, it was not I, I was not interested in doing a nostalgic film about my past. I wanted to to uh, explore my memory, but uh, from being firmly grounded in my present. In my present, uh, what I mean with that is my understanding, my current un understanding nowadays uh, as a grown-up uh, 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 about, you know, not only uh, the emotional aspect of it, but also uh, the whole sociopolitical element of it. I'm, we're going to dig into some specifics about the visual, but kind of big picture. Mm -hmm. How did what how did that element kind of inform the visual style, kind of on a, a big picture basis, that, that idea of, of a memory from an adult standpoint? Yeah, the, um, a, the process first was a process of memory. I, I, I was exploring my own memory, then I was digging into Libo's memory. Libo is the person upon whom the character of Cleo is based on. Um, and I was digging into her memories uh, and when I, f when I felt that it was the time to do it, then I just dove into, into the screenplay. I mean, I had a draft ready in three weeks, a, a draft that I never stopped to second guess one second. Uh, I finished the screenplay, I didn't share it with anyone. I didn't want, I wanted to go on filter from my memory to the 
to the paper and from the paper directly into, in, into the images. Uh, that screenplay is very densely described. Uh, most of the visuals that you see in the film are already described on, on the paper. Um, and that element of the present is, all, is present there and is also present in the, uh, how I cur curated those memories. You know, it's, uh, because the process of, of, of exploring memory is just it's an endless labyrinth of doors that, that you, you open and access new labyrinths. So uh, once that I had a, a, lot, a lot of material in terms of the memory, uh, the important thing was discriminating which memories were going to be part of this. Mm -hmm. One of, in the last 20 years of filmmaking, one of, I, something I put up on the pantheon of, of, of great things that have happened in filmmaking in the last 20 years, I, I put right up there uh, the immersive camera that you and, you and Chivo have done with the, with the camera movement in, in films like uh, Children of Men. What's fascinating to me about this film is that element of that immersive camera movement. The camera still pans and you've got, you've got some beautiful lateral, very parallel moving shots, but you seem to put your hand behind your back and take that, that away. And there's something about this story that requires uh, exploring in, in a, a different type of immersiveness in a, in a longer take. I'm wondering if you could talk about, you know, what was it about this story, or maybe it's just the evolution of you as a filmmaker, that wanted to, to do something a little bit different within the long takes. I've always been fascinated by the long takes. Uh, from different filmmakers I admire. Jankso mm -hmm. uh, uh, being one, Miklos Jankso is, is an amazing Hungarian filmmaker who did this series of films uh, that are very abstract and are incredible in, but, um, and, and are resolved mostly in one takes. And then one takes that they, they've been part of, of the, the vocabulary of I have to say of European cinema is very, in European cinema, long takes are not, 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 not uncommon. Um, uh, we have uh, other great masters like uh, obviously Orson Welles, but even Kubrick who, who, uh, who play with very long takes. And the, the thing is not about, what, what fascinates me of long takes is not the, is not the aesthetic of it, mm -hmm. you know. Is is uh, is the language of it? Uh, is uh, the use of real time uh, honoring space at the same time? You know, time and space that you uh, that that you that, that you put together and you combine and allowing things to flow. Uh, by that is also an awareness of silences, an awareness of time. Uh, in other words, just the flow of existence. And by the way, by saying this, I love, as a moviegoer, mm -hmm. I love all kind of experiences. I, I, I love Sam Pekinpa, you know? Mm -hmm. But in um, Itumama también, I have always in all my films done uh, one-shot deals here and there, even since I was doing TV. Uh, 
But it was not until Itumama también that Chivo and I we decided to to explore going deeper into this. But the, the thing is that um, what I was trying to do since Itumama también is that character and environment, they have the same weight, mm. not to give more weight to one or the other. And that required not only doing uh, long takes for the unity of time and space, uh, but also working with a, a specific group of lenses that would allow us uh, to have a greater depth mm -hmm. uh, and that would ne not uh, it, it would not um, put character above environment or environment above character. And also it required to shoot a little bit more removed from the actors. Mm -hmm. You know, so they would merge into their environment. Um, in Children of Men, I mean, in Itumama también, there was uh, part of the point of doing that film was the personal experience of these three characters, but also is a comment of the country in the background. Uh, a lot of that, those comments were done precisely allowing the camera to drift from the characters and using a voiceover. In Children of Men, we decided to do the same thing, but without that voiceover, to have even more information in the background. It's a, a, a film that compared to, to Itumama también is more densely packed with information. Uh, Instead of an aside, it's all in, all it's in, in the, the same, place, the in the same and yeah. it's not about, uh, in Itumama también it was, you were with the characters and suddenly the, 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 the camera would drift into, into the analysis, if you might. Here it was in the same shot, in the same frame as the action is happening, all of these other subtext is going on behind. And in Roma, a uh, thing is, uh, in, but in Children of Men was, I was taking elements uh, um, based upon a lot of research that I have done of the thematic elements that were shaping the, the, the 21st century. And all those elements I wanted to be references from um, mostly media news icons, you know, and reproduce those in this, in this context. Uh, I wanted a sense of a certain set of familiarity. Um, in Rome is a different thing because it was coming out of my memory. And also I was thinking something not about doing research in terms of books and, and, and archives. I was going into back into my memory, into a context, a socio-political context that is very close to me. And the result was I, an even more densely packed uh, uh, a, 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 more, more, more elements it, it, it got packed with more elements uh, that they, they have or a thematic or a symbolic value. Uh, I also allow myself that I didn't allow so much in Itumama Tamina and Children of Men to add other elements that are just, you might say, ethereal mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, just subconsciously I made those decisions and some of those elements are recurrent elements that go through the whole thing. Uh, people have asked me the meaning of them. And it is when I believe that 
as a filmmaker, we only present, we don't only have of the work. Mm -hmm. The other half is for the audience to make and to feel those, those, uh, those symbols or, or, or with, uh, or, or, or that visual information with their own experience, with their own interpretation. And sometimes those interpretations are were richer than the ones that I could have given. Mm -hmm. you, you, you talked about the lens with it, which we see this, and you're not the first person to use a, a large format, uh, but there was something very interesting to me in the way, uh, kind of building off what you're saying, is that uh, utilizing the fact that like on a 65 millimeter, that 50 millimeter lens has the width, the width of a 25, but has the intimacy and characteristics of a 50 millimeter lens. And there's an element here, you know, I, you read all the reviews of Roman that's intimate and epic. <laughs> you know, it, 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 just, it sounds contradictory. Um, but there, there, that, that element of being able to have a wide view, but you were talking Wells and Kubrick, when they did it often, it was distorted. It felt what, this feels that intimacy um, it doesn't feel distorted, and it's, it's, it's a different frame, because we're used to that being used big, you know, a big scope, like uh, Lawrence of Arabia, or in the smaller intimate films that also shot on a large format, the, it falls into shallow depth, which works, for, depth. Which, which yeah. works for like a Beale Street, or a, can you ever forgive me? Mm -hmm. but, but this one, it's, it's a really fascinating thing, building off what you're talking about, in that sense of, of being able to use it tighter lens, not that you did, I think 25 and 35s, but... No, I, and that was a byproduct of the 65 because, I mean, all my films until, until, uh, uh, until Roma, Itomama eh, también, eh, Harry Potter, Children of Men and Gravity, they were shot with only two lenses, 18 and 21 in 35. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't find the equivalent in 65. And it was for the best. There was a an instinct in me that was telling me that I should go a little bit, a, a little bit tighter. Mm -hmm. Tighter, I mean, in terms of the depth of field, not in terms of the the, the size of the frame, and uh, and those two lenses that we use, you know, the the the, the twenty five and the thirty five, they just end up providing this very interesting compromise between those. It just brought the, the, the background a little bit closer, mm. you know, that one, what I was used to. But at the same time, brought the background a tiny bit closer, but also in a wider scope, mm. you know, uh, and that just added information. Since you did shoot this yourself, there, there's two parts of that. There, there's a frame which you get to play with in a different way, but then also I imagine technically it presents challenges, right? In that sense of you gotta have a, you gotta light the whole depth, and you gotta maintain a certain amount of lighting to get that depth of field. It, was that something that um, was a challenge in terms of? Uh, I assume working as a cinematographer for the first time, although you probably had a lot of help. It was definitely a challenge in interiors. Exteriors, they were like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're working with available light and it, it was way easier. But in interiors, was that, that was a real challenge because now they have new lenses. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was doing this film, uh, we couldn't you get... You mean now since you've shot? Since we shot, yeah. yeah. The, um, it, when, when, we were, when, when I shot the film, I, we could not get... Uh, the, uh, faster lenses were not available. So we were working at a very 
you know, uh, um, a f-stop that is a bit challenging for interiors. Uh, I discovered that the sweet spot of the lenses that we had was 5.6. So we were shooting as close to 5.6 as possible. Um, that is a challenge when you are working also with very soft bounce filter light. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, as much as I love the cinematography of the 50s and the 40s, the, that brilliant black and white, uh, I didn't want a black and white that is that was vintage. I wanted a contemporary, modern black and white looking into the past. So I, want, I, need, I required a softer light, uh, a more naturalistic light. Uh, and to have the access when you are lighting only from the windows, and I'm in a faraway corner of the house, and, uh, and to, to have the light from those windows reach my subjects that are in the foreground, yeah, it requires a lot, a lot, a lot of light. You know, a lot of batteries of 18Ks bouncing uh, outside the windows and then going through diffusions. So the light was soft enough and, and ultimately bright enough to reach the deep corners of the house, you know. A, it was a challenge shooting the cinema, for instance, when they go to the, to, the, to the cinema, because I wanted the whole theater to be lit by the screen. But uh, a 35mm projection doesn't light. Doesn't you know, be enough. Th th it would never be enough to, to, to give us exposure for the camera. So we had to create different techniques in that, in that instance. Uh, I changed the, the movie screen for a, a, a huge wall of LED lights and we were projecting the film uh, in those, in, through those lights. So those LED lights are lighting the whole, the whole theater interactively. That then we, in post-production, we, we erased the, 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 the wall and we put a 35mm playing the film in sync with the images of the LED light. So you see this beautiful interactive uh, uh, interactiveness between the screen and all the environment. So it was, it was, it was, and, and, and I wanted a, 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 an amazing depth of field so you could see the whole theater unfolding in, in front of you. So yeah, it, it was challenging, but it was such a pleasure to do. But the, as, the, the picture aspect was just part of it because together with foreground and background. What I was trying to do is honor time and space. Mm -hmm. And honor time, allowing things to unfold. You know, allowing those silence to happen. Uh, allowing those moments in which apparently nothing is happening. And space not only referring to the geographic space, what you see on screen, but all that space that is outside the frame. And that was complemented by the, by the work with the sound. Mm -hmm. That's what I was about to ask is that, you know, I, I talked to Skip, um, and when, you know, he's obviously a, a big fan of, of Atmos, but it, what he said was different about this film was just the amount of time he had to dig and to use, um, to kind of, to get that most, kind of use all of those speakers around. I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about 
what it was you were going for in terms of the sound and what, what you wanted, because there is that, that element of like, we're a little bit distant, but that's, there's this, that screen is so immersive, and then the sound seems to be just pulling us in. Yeah, the, the, the idea was that the camera was, uh, since the beginning when we start shooting, is I define it as this goes from the present that visits the past. And it's just hovering, detached, mm -hmm. observing everything. And um, uh, so, yeah, there's a certain detachment from the camera, but the camera is, is our center of perception. And I wanted them to set, place the camera in a, in a, in a, in a physical environment. So for the camera to be surrounded by the sounds of that space. So when we're watching the film, we're not only seeing what is on screen, but the existence of that place that is in, uh, on screen. So that was the important thing. And it was, since uh, I heard the, the Atmo system for the first time in a demo for, for uh, when they were uh, pitching the whole thing, Dolby was pitching uh, uh, the, the system to us in, for gravity. I remember saying, this is, this is a brilliant system. Uh, but the real, this is a tool that the real function of this tool is going to be in intimate films, not in these big loud temples, because loudness and atmos, they don't come together, in my opinion. It's about spread, mm -hmm. you know, and the beautiful thing of spreading all these sounds and, and have, being able to be very geographically specific, uh, that that's something that no other system gives you. And that's the reason why is the longest sound mix that I have ever done. Probably is one of the longest mixes, sound mixes that uh, uh, in recent history, because um, there was an obsession about making that right. By doing so, if you're going to be moving environment so much, sometimes you have to actually do a lot of ADRs, and you have to do very specific. You have a group of uh, of extras. You, you're going in the street. And if you want to be specific that each extra has its individual sound, you have to ADR them, you know, individually. And you have to ADR them individually and place them geographically uh, with you levels need the, you need specifically. Clean you need the clean track to then be yeah, able because to go into his, he, You have to, these two characters here, but maybe they do this. So you have to be following one from one to right, uh, 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 left to right, and the other one goes right to left, and how they, they drift as they go away from camera, how the levels, they, 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 they change. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very complex. It was, uh, I don't know how many, uh, how m many different tracks they have to, to create to do this. Is it stressful at all in that sense of while you're doing this and that it's such an element of how you're creating this world? That and please drink. Don't 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 hesitate. Um, it's water. That, eh? <laughs> it's information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the element of um, how people are going to experience it. You know, when I when I interviewed Skip, his first question goes, "How did you see it? Where did you see it?" He's like, you know, because he wanted to have that 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 sense of it. And it, it's interesting though because it is. I, I've been surprised. It is scalable. I tried it at home, and it actually wasn't. I mean, you should go see this thing in the theater, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It actually kind of translated a little bit with a with a decent 
with a decent system. But was that is that part of this is like when you're putting so much energy towards creating in this one format, then the stress of how people are going to watch it. And this is removed from the Netflix aspect, but just that. No, that no, I, I I understand your question, and it's yes, there's always that element, and that's an element, but not again, it's not a Netflix question because it's in any film that you do. Uh, your films, you're aware that the life of your films is going to, to be longer in home systems than any theatrical experience. So what, what you try to do is to approach each format in a very individual way, rather to have th than having, you know, delivering your, your, your files and your, your, uh, uh, and, and your sources and then to have algorithm, algorithm, uh, algorithm, no, algorithm, Algorithm. Algorithms. Yes, right, to have algorithms uh, making the choices uh, and making translations. You work on those and you give specific levels, specific, uh, uh, even, in, even visually. You know, it's, uh, it's very different the files that you do for, um, for a 4K, uh, for, for, for a 4K. Uh, uh, deep DCP than what you're going to do for home video, you know. So uh, I don't know how many different versions we we work on on Roma to be able to. So each one of the experience is the optimum experience in their format. Okay. Well, Fonzo, you got to run, but thank you very much. Uh, it's a wonderful film. And thank uh, you very much, and it gives me so much pleasure to be. Talk about this part of, of, of because, you know, it's, 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 it's a part of cinema that is so often overlooked. Because um, those choices are, in, are ingrained in what you're, how you're trying to tell the story, Yes, right? but also I think there's a, a big, mis uh, this whole thing of above and below the line mm -hmm. is, is something uh, that, uh, or the, what is technical and what is creative, I think is, is, is generally speaking, very misunderstood. Uh, uh, these are artists in different disciplines working, uh, uh, serving one language, yeah. you know, and, uh, 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 and one specific grammar. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 these are not technical choices. You know, these are artistic choices. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's a beautiful film. Thank you very much. You made good choices. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs>